The epistle is from Hebrews chapters 11 and 12. By faith, Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac. And he who had received the promises was in the act of offering up his only son, of whom it was said, through Isaac shall your offspring be named. He considered that God was able even to raise him from the dead, from which, figuratively speaking, he did receive him back. By faith, Isaac invoked future blessings on Jacob and Esau. By faith, Jacob, when dying, blessed each of the sons of Joseph, Joseph, bowing in worship over the head of his staff. By faith, Joseph, at the end of his life, made mention of the exodus of the Israelites and gave directions concerning his bones. By faith, Moses, when he was born, was hidden for three months by his parents because they saw that the child was beautiful and they were not afraid of the king's edict. By faith, Moses, when he was grown up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to be mistreated with the people of God than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. He considered the reproach of Christ greater wealth than the treasures of Egypt, for he was looking to the reward. By faith, he left Egypt, not being afraid of the anger of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. By faith, he kept the Passover and sprinkled the blood so that the destroyer of the firstborn might not touch them. By faith, the people crossed the Red Sea as if on dry land, but the Egyptians, when they attempted to do the same, were drowned. By faith, the walls of Jericho fell down after they had been encircled for seven days. By faith, Rahab the prostitute did not perish with those who were disobedient because she had given a friendly welcome to the spies. And what more shall I say, for time would fail for me to tell of Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, of David and Samuel and the prophets, who through faith conquered kingdoms, enforced justice, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the power of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, were made strong out of weakness, became mighty in war, put foreign armies to flight. Women received back their dead by resurrection. Some were tortured, refusing to accept release so that they might rise again to a better life. Others suffered mocking and flogging and even chains and imprisonment. They were stoned, they were sawn in two. They were killed with the sword. They went about in skins of sheep and goats, destitute, afflicted, mistreated, of whom the world was not worthy, wandering about in deserts and mountains and in dens and caves of the earth. All these, though commended through their faith, did not receive what was promised. Since God had provided something better for us, that apart from us, they should not be made perfect. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured from sinners such hostility against himself, so that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Lord, keep us steadfast in your word. Lord, help us. Help us now. Last week, we heard about Abraham, one of the great heroes of the faith. He was anxious, remember this, because he couldn't see how God's plans for his future were going to work out. But he mustered up the faith to believe in God's promise that his descendants would be as numerous as the stars in the night sky. And most importantly for us, we recalled that 
every promise that God made to Abraham, he's made a better one to us. In fact, we ourselves are the proof that God made good on his promises to Abraham. How could we then doubt that God will make good on his promises to us? Why would he change now? Well, sometimes it's easy to believe in Jesus, almost like the truth of God's word makes itself real. It proves itself. Even though we've never seen Jesus, we've never heard his actual voice, you believe that you hear his words and make contact with his body and blood in the sacrament of the altar. When life is good, right? When the sunshine hits the stained glass just right. Or, you know, when there's a nice, cool summer breeze, ripe watermelon, whatever it is. When everything feels like it's as it should be, the unseen things that we put our hope in prove themselves. They make themselves real. There's no doubt. But other times, maybe even most of the time, faith in Jesus feels like a struggle, a fight against the current, a fight to get to the surface to get another gulp of air feels like running up a hill. It's a struggle. Well, just like the story of Abraham spoke to our struggle against anxiety for the future, the examples of Abraham, Moses, and all the rest of God's saints that we heard about in Hebrews 11 and 12, they speak to this struggle. And in fact, the culminating point of today's epistle text is this. Because God's people have always had to strive and endure by faith, Let's be encouraged by the great company we're in. We're not unique. We're not the only ones having a hard time with this. This is normal for Christians. This has always been our game. So be encouraged by that. There is a great cloud of witnesses cheering you on like, I don't know, like you're running a track event, right? You're running the the 1600 and on the final quarter mile, you are... 20, 30 seconds ahead of everyone else behind you, there's this famous picture of Steve Prefontaine, the greatest American distance runner ever. Some of you may know that name. Some of you might think I maybe just made that up. But um, he died tragically young. But his whole philosophy for distance running, cross country, you know, he was one of these like 13, 12 minute, 36 second 5Ks, you know, like really, really fast. Three, six minute miles in a row. Something crazy like that. Actually, that's, Never mind, that math doesn't work out, but don't, don't do that in your head. <laughs> he would say to give anything less than your best is to sacrifice the gift. He would start every race basically at a full sprint and go until he was gassed. He would get such a lead in front of everyone else that it was thrilling to watch him run. It was amazing to watch him run. People would go nuts watching him run. And that's what the great cloud of witnesses is doing watching you run. Man, that feels like the end of a sermon, doesn't it? Not the start. Don't worry, we got a lot more. Take a look with me at Hebrews. You can open up your Bible or follow along on the back of the service folder. We're like the ancient believers in our suffering, in having difficulties in this life. One of the general lessons we can draw from this epistle reading is that Christians have always faced trials and struggles. You can't get much further back than Abraham. And his story shows that from the very start, being chosen and loved by God does not put us on some blessed highway where everything comes easy and everything goes our way. What's more, we often have our faith tested. 
It'd be one thing if it were just to be, if it was just difficult for us, our actual faith by which we endure is also tested. Abraham's faith was tested when God told him to sacrifice the promised son, Isaac. Moses had his faith tested when he chose to be persecuted and hated with God's people rather than enjoy the riches and pleasures of Egypt. And many other believers, too many to name here, but they're printed there for you on the back of your bulletin, they suffered the deprivation of wealth, of comforts, and of friendships. And God was faithful to all of these ancient believers. From Abraham, we see that they believed that God could raise the dead. From Moses, we see that God offered greater riches than anything that earthly kingdoms could provide. From the other unnamed saints, we see that all manner of earthly suffering and loss was worth it because God could provide and will provide so richly for us in the future. Now all these promises, the basis really, for everything that ancient believers put their faith in was invisible to them. It says in Hebrews eleven twenty seven, 27, talking specifically about Moses, by faith he left Egypt, not being afraid of the anger of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. That's a great short way of explaining how all of these saints did it. They endured as seeing him who is invisible. They perceived something They perceived someone that wasn't included in their circumstances that then gave them the endurance to persevere in faith through those circumstances. The letter to the Hebrews begins like this. Long ago at many times and in many ways God spoke to our fathers by the prophets but in these last days, right? And and we've been in these last days now for 2,000 years, right? In these last days he has spoken to us by his son, whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom also he created the world. He is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature, and he upholds the universe by the word of his power. In these days, the Son of God has come to us and speaks words of forgiveness, of hope, and of life. The Son of God has already spoken to you this morning, forgiving your sins. The Son of God speaks to you every time We read God's word, what was promised but not received, invisible yet trusted in, far off but yet greeted, like a family member at the end of a 2,000 foot long driveway, has all found its yes and amen in the Lord Jesus Christ. He endured suffering like we do and even more than we do. He had his faith tested more than any of us will ever have our faith tested. He endured it all, even death on a cross, because and Because he rose from the dead, all of God's promises are ours. Now, Abraham considered, Moses reckoned, all of the unnamed saints persevered by faith and not by might or intellect or emotion. Faith, this thing, our lifeline that we cling to, The means by which we endure as God's people has very little to do with theological acumen. It has very little to do with doctrinal knowledge. It has very little to do with anything like that. Abraham had no idea how the plans of God would develop or how to explain what God was up to in his own life. Abraham couldn't explain the Trinity to you. All the saints throughout history 
right? They're, that was not how they endured and persevered. It wasn't about head knowledge for them. Faith has very little to do with the ability to explain to someone else what you believe and why. Moses protested to God at the burning bush. You remember this? He said, God, don't choose me to go to Pharaoh to represent the people. I can't speak. I, I have a speech impediment, maybe, is what he was talking to. Or I get nervous, or I get anxious. I'm not the guy for this job. Faith, also, is not the same thing as courage. What we learned from the Israelites crossing the Red Sea is that if courage could stand in for faith, then the Egyptians would have made it through the Red Sea on dry ground too. This courageous, mighty, ferocious army, with all of their resolve and determination, all of their technology, their chariots, their training and drills they had run over and over again, right? A professional standing army. They drowned in the Red Sea. One inference of this is that being afraid doesn't mean you don't have faith. You follow me there? If courage could stand in for faith, then, well, if those are like the same currency, then not feeling courageous might suggest that you don't have a lot of faith. But that's not the case at all, friends. Courage and faith are not the same thing. It's all right to be scared. It's all right to not feel very brave. All God required of them and of you is faith. Not that you can read and explain a bunch of systematic theology. Not that you can stand on a street corner and win souls for Jesus by powerful preaching or witnessing or evangelism in their lives. Not that you can face down any threat or any fear or any, you know, anything scary and be like a rock. That's not what God requires of you. God requires faith, which is different from all of those three things. The saints listed in Hebrews 11 all had to look forward to their hope in the midst of their trials, persecutions, even in the midst of their very difficult deaths. Did you catch that? Some of them were sawn in two. They were all looking ahead to something. In the midst of our own strife, as we run the course set before us, we have the advantage of looking back at something that has happened, something concrete, a promise that God has already said yes to and made good on. Therefore, since we aren't alone in our struggle to believe, but are in fact, right, like a runner on a track surrounded by a stadium, this great cloud of witnesses, this fascinating imagery from Hebrews 12. Let's not shrink back from the race set before us. Uphill though it may be. Instead, let us cast off every sin and every snare that would tangle us up and set our eyes on Jesus. This is how we run. We set our eyes on Jesus. It's not a generic, random faith, a belief in God kind of detached from anything about Jesus. It's by faith in the Lord Jesus. He's the champion in the New Living Translation. It says, we do all of this. We run our race. We cast aside the weight and the sin that clings so closely. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion, 
who initiates and perfects our faith. Because of the joy awaiting him, he endured the cross. He disregarded or he despised its shame. And now he is seated in the place of honor beside God's throne. Last week, when I was preaching on Abraham, I told you that you're in that story as the stars in Abraham's night sky. Well, as we come to the close here this morning, I want to tell you where you are in the sermon text today. The joy awaiting Jesus at the finish line of his race is not just that that race is done. It's not that the misery and anguish and excruciating pain of his passion and death are over with. That's not, it's, it's not just, oh, what a relief. That's not the joy set before him. The joy awaiting Jesus at the finish line is each one of you. Every single one of you. You with your sins forgiven, with a perfect and glorified body, with all your little personality quirks and traits and your interests and your jokes. Even if everyone else thinks they're bad, I don't know, Jesus might think they're funny, at least that's what I'm hoping in. With all your hurts healed, with all your tears wiped away, with your broken heart bound up, with the pain of trauma in your life removed, with everything whole and as it should be, living with him in the new creation for an eternity of eternities, everything happy and perfect and blessed, you. That's the joy set before him. That's how he endured the cross that was set before him. And we endure what is set before us by setting our eyes on him. We're going to live there forever, guys, in the new creation. With Adam and Eve, all the way down to your ancestors you can remember and all the saints in between. We don't have to work to receive any of it. All we need to do is believe, to persevere, and to endure by faith. Our closing hymn today, one of the stanzas we sing goes like this. Lord, give us faith to walk where you are sending. On paths unmarked, eyes blind as to their ending. Not knowing where we go, but that you lead us. With grace precede us. That's our prayer. We cling to our hope in Jesus. That's how we make it through. Amen.